Hi everyone, have a good evening. So today the topic is change in the last moment because unfortunately we heard the news that uh, Russ Limbo passed away and we thought maybe we're gonna discuss his, his legacy, what he meant about uh, the conservative movement, maybe what he represents about the conservative movement and try to discuss all things relevant with someone who knows way more stuff and it's Jonathan Hornick who is with us today. So again, I'll be open. I don't know much. I'll tell you though how I first came across Russ Limbo. So I was working as an exams invigilator back in the day. And what? before... What? What were you working as? An exam invigilator. So you know when students get exam, there's these guys who walk up and down and check if the papers are okay and then that they don't sit and stuff. Anyway, okay. and one of the modules that I was preparing the papers for was American politics. And I remember one question was, what was the impact of Russ Limbo something something on American conservatives? I was like, wow. So you have an exam on American politics and you mention a journalist, or that's how I understood it, as having an effect in the whole movement. So I was like, wow, maybe I should at some point check out this guy. But then when I became more interested in American politics, he wasn't such a big thing anymore. So... Jonathan, today you're going to carry most of the weight because you know, you've grown up with Russ Limbo, if I understood well, in a way like, you know, listening to radio and stuff. So you will tell us what, what he meant for you and what he represented for the conservative movement. Well, Nikos, thank you. And, um, you know, I, I, I have to say, uh, I'm sad to hear about Rush Limbaugh. However, I really didn't grow up listening to him. Um, you know, for me, the talk radio was something that I never really participated in. I'm aware of its influence, and especially Russia's influence. For our European uh, viewers and, and listeners who might not know, I mean, Rush really created the conservative talk radio uh, behemoth uh, that influenced, as you said, conservative politics, certainly Republican politics, really since the mid to late 80s. And back then, if you think about it, the media landscape was and even is to a large extent now dominated by so-called liberal thought, leftist thought, if you will. And Rush, which, who was a, you know, a diehard Republican, uh, was very influential in talk radio and in conservative thought, really beginning in those late, the late 80s, early 1990s. Oftentimes setting the agenda for the conservative movement writ large, let alone inspiring countless imposters and uh, and uh, kind of the copycats over the years. So his influence on, on American politics really can't be understated. And more than anything, you know, a lot of people, you know, as it is with media personalities in general, they feel like they kind of know him. They called him El Rushbo. And, you know, you, you kind of developed a um, kind of a personal relationship with somebody who gave his take. I mean, one thing about Rush was his stamina. I think he did a three hour show every day, essentially an uninterrupted monologue. Very few callers as I understand it. So, you know, he really, he was a radio pro no matter what you think of his politics. And, you know, Nikos, Rush for me is very mixed because he actually did have a lot of good things to say about Ayn Rand, at least for a period of time. I'll, I'll share my screen here. This is going back to uh, the, uh, around 2007, around the Tea Party movement. Um, so here we have, you know, this is an article clip from Rush Limbaugh's website, Read Atlas Shrugged Again, uh, Rush says. Now, here's a great example. He's got a long screed about it, which is great. And, you know, he says, 
I, I highlighted the part, you know, for him, Atlas, I believe, was basically about politics. For a lot of kind of traditional conservatives of which Rush is, was, you know, they see Atlas Shrugged as a book about politics, not about reason. But he says, Atlas Shrugged, for those of you who haven't read it, I'll give you the basic book report summary, is basically about the achievers of, the, of life quitting because they are tired of the 1% of the population pulling the other 99% in the car. And that's how Ayn Rand is kind of reverberates around most conservative circles, right? It's kind of the haves versus the haves nots. There's no, there's nothing said for reason. There's nothing said for her epistemology. But as I said, he did bring a lot of people to the book. He said, it's one of those things that if you haven't read it, get it. It's a long book, but you're not gonna be able to put it down. And that was in 2007. And you know, Nikos, I know you were a raving Marxist back then, but Atlas Shrugged sold a hell of a lot of copies in 2007, 2008. So you got to give it to Rush. I think he probably was a big part of that. And part of, you mentioned the, that there was a Marxist. So part of the narrative within Mark leftist circles these days was that the George Bush eight years also constituted a big turn in the American society, a big conservative turn. And we would have in our minds, in our leftist minds, things like Fox News or maybe Rush Limbaugh if, if he was more well-known on this side of the Atlantic. And the idea was that George Bush not only has imposed wars abroad, but also there's this conservative counter-revolution within the United States. Do you think this was accurate? And do you think that, because for example, the amount of audience that Russ Limbo had was audience that would be unimaginable even for the most mainstream media. So do you think that his popularity, even let's say during that late time, let's say the Bush eight years, do you think that it constituted something as a silent conservative majority? And if yes, where is this majority today? Do you think that it's still there? They still went more like towards Trump? You know, honestly, Nikos, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a finance guy. So I was never a huge Rush Limbaugh listener, but I'm certainly aware of his influence. I think he helped concretize and move the conservative movement uh, in a very important way, especially back then when the pre, kind of pre-internet, as you said, I think as, uh, but you know, even as the internet grew, I mean, Russia's influence and Russia's voice continue to reverberate. You know, unfortunately, I think, you know, you, you said it, uh, you know, was he an alternative to the, the so-called left? I think ultimately he, you know, as a traditional conservative, he embraced everything that basically Rand talked about when Ronald Reagan came to power which was you know, the Christian, the so-called Christian compassionate conservative that ultimately ended with Rush tossing up in hand, his hands and saying, deficits don't matter. We just told you that because we didn't want Obama to spend. So you know, Rush ended up being, I think, a very conventional, boring, non-revolutionary political voice. But you know, I'll share one more screen. You know, for a period of time, he, you know, this is back in 2009, he said, the brilliant writer and novelist Ayn Rand has written about this, and he, he's quoting her now on the air, and he's talking about her, he's quoting her about sacrifice, where there's service, there's someone being served, the man who speaks to you of sacrifice, is speaking of slaves and masters, and intends to be the master, that is President Obama. So that was Rush, you know, making the connection very smartly between Obama and collectivism and Ayn Rand. He, could, he wouldn't do that about Trump, because you know, Trump has asked for that same sacrifice for Trump, you though you're sacrificing for the nation, you know. It's so, you know, there's that inconsistency when it comes to all conventional Republicans, and Rush ultimately was one. But you can't discount his import and importance on 
the conservative movement in America. That's very interesting that you mentioned twice uh, his takes on Rand, because, you know, these days there's a lot of discussion in our small micro universe on whether who is worse, the left or the right, who is our nat uh, natural ally, so to speak. And there is something to it, though, to the fact that, yes, conservatives have all sorts of wrong premises and do all sorts of wrong things. But they're almost, it seems almost like they're at arm's reach, that at least they appreciate, for example, even at the political level, this, this struggle between the 1% and the what Rand calls the, the destroyers or the looters or whatever. So it's, it's in these moments that you realize, yes, okay, maybe conservatives have all the things that are wrong, but in a way they're the low-hanging fruit. And I don't know where you stand in this discussion. Of course, you had this controversial moment where you, you know, you denounced Trump for uh, someone from the, quote, the other side from the left. So anyone but Trump. Sorry? Anyone but Trump. Anyone but Trump, yes. So do you think that it's still the case that the conservatives can still have this idea that at least, you know, they read Atlas Shrugged, they understand something? Or is it that today it's... Uh, that this is basically a bygone era. So a, a, an alternative title that I was thinking with Razi was Russ Limbo's death, the, the end of an era. But then again, is it really an, the end of an era? Whereas, as you said, most conservatives at the very end of the day, there's kind of an, a predictable path from, let's say, Bill Buckley to Limbo to Ben Shapiro that some things are, you called it boring, which is not that far from philosophically. Yes, it is in a way boring. So do you think that this conservatism can still be influential or is it basically dead? Because now we, we saw the truth quote, which is Trump and this kind of bombastic movement. And now this kind of is the old and the boring. Well, I mean, it didn't, I don't think conservatism died with, with Rush Limbaugh. Uh, I think Rand once again, nailed it. You know, Rand has, and I'll share the screen here, that, that wonderful essay, conservatism, an obituary. Uh, this is going back to what year was this exactly? Probably the late 60s, certainly the early 70s. We'll double check exactly where that's from, but this is available on the Ayn Rand Institute website. Absolutely recommend everyone listening to this. I think it was a Ford Hall forum. Someone in our, our chat might know that, but you know, Rand I identified. Think, yeah. So go listen to and or read Rand's conservatism and obituary and understand why Despite Russia's best efforts, if you will, that movement has been, was dead long before even Russia got on the scene. And her predictions, as usual, I think were incredibly prof prophetic. And uh, the fact that the conservatives now so resemble the liberals in America, uh, philosophically, they're both raving collectivists, I think speaks to Rand's prescience once again. So read that article, Conservatism, an Obituary by Ayn Rand. Yeah, and the mere and the mere term today, conservative, like what exactly is to, like I mean, the Overton window has shifted to such a place where it's even difficult to figure out what is to be conserved. That's why, and as we said, Rand saw this already back then. That's why he said, "No, we are radicals." Anyway, the last point that is of interest to me is: is there any difference in the mentality between left and right in terms of the content they consume? So the argument back then and this is an insight that I got from Razi behind the, the scenes. The argument back then was that, look, the liberals, quote, so the, the, the Democrats, so to speak, they have more 
they have control on TV or on the newspaper, which is basically, you know, I go to work, I read yes. very quickly, or I get very quickly the, the, the quick points. But conservatives, because they're more interested in ideas or whatever, they're more interested to get to the roots of the, of the stuff. There's, they're going to listen for three hours on Russ Libo and have discussions after discussions after discussions. And the interesting thing is that today you see this in a way being perpetuated. The obvious example here is Joe Rogan. He's definitely more popular with, as a presence, as a lifestyle, as everything with conservatives. So do, is there anything to that that said that Russ Libo not only started the school, but also that this type of content is more appealing to conservatives who are surprisingly. Well, I mean, most- I don't listen to the, I don't listen to much of any of that, but didn't Joe Rogan endorse Bernie Sanders ultimately? So I mean, you know, if I'm I'm there's there's actually a lot of great objectivist content out there to to uh, to uh, uh, but you're right, Nikos, in the sense that you know Rush Limbaugh established a beachhead in talk radio, whereas at a time, especially in, in American media, where there were really no voices, so-called conservative voices. Uh, and, and that's a, that's momentum that's continued even till this day. Um, I, I don't know whether it's that because people who are interested in those ideas prefer longer format. You know, there's plenty of long form now podcasts that are extremely leftist and extremely uh, Marxist in every way. So, um, you know, I think my sense is Russia's kind of dominant won't be replicated anytime soon, but you have to kind of salute him for his achievements and appreciate the times that he did bring people to rant. Um, you know, Mary Lean, and thank you for your support, Mary Lean said, I was hopeful when Rush promoted Rand, but then alas, his traditional conservative views won out. And we've seen that time and time again, Nikos, I think as you said, many on the right kind of try to cozy up to Rand. They kind of want to try to, you know, get on board with Rand, but then of course those traditional Reagan Bush views come right back Trump views come right back to the forefront which are all collectivist in nature and to finish on a positive note here's why freedom is always better so I've read somewhere that the reason why there were no such shows earlier was because there were some stupid regulations that said that you need to have both sides on a on a show yeah the f- we have fairness also, yes we have also this in Greece so listen to the weird thing. So in Greece, every party, whether you are 0.0001% or the ruling party, you need to have particular time in elections, which means you have to watch uh, the fascists, the weirdos, conspiracy theorists, uh, 65 different Marxist-Leninist parties, uh, the spiritual healers who have... So, and see, when this stupid regulation went out, of the window, that's when you have started, you, you have the, this new phenomenon of these shows. Mostly I think it was about TV, but again, yeah, it's uh, it's always, we always end up better when we get rid of this stupid kind of, uh, of stuff. Anyway, as I said, people, this was a show that was put together literally five minutes before Razi by got people, out. By people who didn't don't really listen to Rush too much. Uh, by but, people who don't yeah. reason, yeah. Razi literally got us out of the shower for that. But we, not, have we were not in the shower together, though. Not together. Not, <laughs> not together. On the, no problem if we were, but we, we are in different contexts, so we weren't together. So following from now, uh, in around five, ten minutes, we have our clubhouse 
a post-show gathering, which is where we discuss with listeners. It's our, in, the, in a way, it's our version of how it's called, uh, of talk radio. It's, or as I call it, it's like the cafe in the piazza where people come in and out, they say hi, they share thoughts, and then they go on with their lives. And then in 40 minutes, we discuss with James Valiant the most difficult essay in objectivism, in not the most fundamental, perhaps, essay in objectivism, which is the objectivist ethics. So whether That's either awesome. you... Yeah, and we, with someone like James who can explain it. So whether you've already read it, but don't really understand it, or you've always thought, you know what, that's too deep, I don't want to go there. Or you want to refresh these things. Every time I try to read this essay, I discover something new. And today we're going to have James Valiant to help us uh, dive, deep, dive a bit deeper. Anything else? No, thank you for being with us. And thank you for sharing and supporting the Iran Institute UK. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much. See you in a bit in the clubhouse. Bye, everyone.